For RCR TV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, Wi-Fi, small cell, and much more. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. We've got a great show for you this week, uh, sort of the namesake event. We uh, went out to the HetNet Expo hosted by PCIA, the wireless infrastructure. It was held this year at the Millennium Biltmore in Los Angeles, and uh, just really topical, really informative show. I guess some of the highlights were discussion around uh, what in-building solutions like DAS and Small Cell have to offer as it relates to federal mandates for in-building uh, public safety networks, which is something that's poised to become a very lucrative growth industry in the next few years. And then we also heard a lot about uh, convergence. And I, to my wit, at least, that's sort of what we're talking about when we talk about a truly heterogeneous network, sort of the uh, seamless uh, network experience that's created by full integration of Wi-Fi, DAS, small cell, and the macro level. And uh, to give you sort of an overview of all of the important issues that were showcased at HetNet Expo, we sat down with Jonathan Adelstein, who's the president of PCIA, uh, formerly of the FCC, and just a, a wealth of information as it relates to telecom policy and all sorts of other attendant subjects. So I'd like you to take a look at this interview with Jonathan Adelstein. For RCR TV, I'm Sean Kinney, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Adelstein, President and CEO of PCIA, the Wireless Infrastructure Association. Jonathan, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. Well, you guys have really put together a tremendous program for HetNet Expo this year. We're in the uh, Millennium Biltmore out in Los Angeles, and it's been a great setting and just a really informative show. Uh, what's really struck me listening to some of the panel discussions, the keynote addresses, and just speaking with some of the people in the industry that are here is uh, how we're on the cusp of just a really interesting convergence point where we're going to see uh, seamless connectivity between Wi-Fi, small cell, DAS, and the macro layer. It's a really exciting time, but I was hoping you could help us better understand some of the technological challenges that need to be addressed before you really see that seamless experience. Well, there's a, a lot of challenges that still remain. We're still waiting for the HetNet to reach its uh, full maturity because there's so many different uh, roadblocks. Obviously, getting backhaul is an issue, getting power is an issue, uh, making sure that the interface between the, the small cell and the, the macro uh, is, is done right, making sure that the systems are properly installed has been an issue. We've heard some complaints off of the, the speaking floor about the quality of deployments that are taking place and the amount of rework that has to be done in order to get it done right. So, you know, we think it's necessary to work on these things, to work with utilities to make sure we can improve the process of getting this deployed. But it's got to happen. It's almost like you're, you're, you're pregnant and the baby's got to come out. We have so much demand for wireless data that we have no choice but to densify the networks because there's not going to be sufficient spectrum. Spectral efficiency technologies aren't proceeding in a way that can deal with a 700% increase in data demand over five years. So the only choice that carriers have in our entire ecosystem here is to provide antennas closer to the end user, which naturally leads to more congestion, more opportunities for harmful interference that people here are trying to figure out how to address. Yeah. And you know, and this is a, the, the sort of obvious example, but everybody's familiar with uh, Sprint's still unconfirmed plans to roll out a small cell network on a very large national scale. 
I've seen projections ranging from uh, 50,000 to 70,000 deployments. And I guess I, I'm just not convinced that the industry as a whole, as it relates to small cell, has matured to the point where a rollout of that scale is feasible. You mentioned the process and how this needs to be streamlined. And I guess it, it's just tough when you consider all the different municipalities in play, each with their own set of policies, zoning guidelines, access, fiber networks. How do you scale a process that's so specific to each deployment? Well, it is difficult to do. You know, in Japan, they had automatic right to put these small cells up, and this is the United States. It's a hassle block by block. It's a fight with utilities. It can be a fight with municipalities. It can be a, a fight with, uh, with uh, other carriers trying to figure out who gets the backhaul, who gets there. It's really quite a, uh, a daunting deployment in the United States. We're trying to figure out ways to streamline that, as, as you noted. Whether it can be done quickly is an open question. Mm -hmm. Are there enough qualified personnel to do this if it's done on such a vast scale? We keep waiting for the market to take off. Mm -hmm. But when it does, I think we're going to see even more problems if suddenly a number of carriers at the same time start a massive deployment. Right now we're not seeing that. We're seeing Verizon going pretty, pretty steadily, but um, fits and starts elsewhere. So if all carriers are starting to fire on all cylinders, then we're going to see a, a real crunch time. So we need to plan for that now. And so we're working with the municipalities, working with the utilities, working with the carriers and the vendors and the tower companies and the um, small cell and DAS uh, systems integrators all together to try to figure out how to move this forward as seamlessly as we can. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very challenging process, but if we plan ahead, we think we can eliminate some of those obstacles. Yeah, you mentioned some of the, uh, the workforce implications there in terms of uh, how skilled of a technician do we need to deploy a small cell. I, I guess from my perspective, for vendors, that presents a, a huge opportunity to kind of automate that configuration process so that you can use less skilled labor but still easily drop the unit and then tie it back to your network. Well, some of, it's, some of the work is more skilled than others. A lot of it's fairly basic, but yet it's not getting done right. We're hearing a large number of these projects have to be redone or even connectors aren't plugged together. You can't just drop it and leave. It has to actually work. And in order for that to happen, I think we need to have people trained in the right techniques. So we're bringing the industry together. In fact, here at the Expo, we're going to hold a meeting of the carriers and the vendors and the uh, equipment manufacturers and some educators to talk about what are the best ways to do this. How can we create more consistency in the process so that each job doesn't have to be a complex, customized effort that becomes much more costly? Certainly, the very nature of DAS and small cells, there's going to be a lot of need for customization, particularly in this country, the way that we do things. But what are the, some of the common elements that we can make more consistent so that we can take those cost drivers out? And, you know, uh, Derek Peterson, the CTO of Boingo Wireless, in his uh, keynote presentation yesterday, he was discussing the relationship between DAS and small cell uh, not as an either-or, but as an, an and, and finding that sort of complementary way to integrate the two systems there. Uh, what is sort of the opportunity for carriers and for venue owners to work together to uh, come up with a robust deployment that really drives good quality of experience but also presents a beneficial business value to, to both sides. Well, well Derek's right. I mean, there's right solutions for different buildings. It might be a different solution for one size or another depending on the configuration. Uh, small cells work better in some settings and DAS is essential for others. 
you know, the enterprises are quite confused. We have a lot of people here from enterprise and from uh, hospitality, from uh, REITs and the big owners of properties that are trying to figure out what's the right solution for me. Uh, or I just talked to a company that hooks up college campuses that wishes that he could get access to small cells, but because the carriers deploy them themselves, he can't get them to complete his systems. So we need to help, I think, um, that dialogue. We're, I think, in a well-positioned place at the Net Forum to bring together these end users with the providers of the service to talk about what the right solutions are. We're not going to advocate one or the other because we have members that provide a number of different um, solutions, but to at least make it easier for these folks to figure it out. <clears throat> I think enterprise is going to have to step up and pay more often. A lot of folks in, that own buildings are used to charging rent, mm -hmm. and they think, well, I need to charge rent for this. But if you think about it, when it comes to uh, the water company, they don't ask the water company to install the toilets mm -hmm. or the plumbing when they build the building. They don't ask the electric company to install the electrical systems within the building. Why should the telcos have to provide the expensive utility infrastructure that's necessary to provide seamless wireless connectivity throughout the building? Mm -hmm. They're going to have to realize, and I think they are beginning to realize more and more, that having this as an essential utility, that without it, they're not going to be able to rent that building. The person will go to the next mm -hmm. building that has better connectivity. So it hasn't yet dawned on everybody. And the carriers don't have the capital to cover every building, particularly smaller enterprise buildings. You know, the very large ones are, are an easier business case to make. When is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? Our job, I think, at the HetNet Forum is to expedite that, to mm -hmm. educate the enterprise community that this is something they need to start thinking about. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, uh, market education. I was recently visiting a friend of mine in downtown Austin. He just bought a new condo in a shiny, beautiful high-rise, and your phone doesn't work in there. It's clear that this was not considered when the construction was phased and planned. So now they're going to have to go through a costly retrofit to provide that essential utility. And is that a lack of market education? Yeah, I wonder about that. You know, when they put together One World Trade, which is a replacement for the World Trade Center, they didn't plan a DAS system within it. They had to do some retrofitting. Now, eventually, as they were in the construction, one of our members helped put it together. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine in a building that's replacing a building where hundreds of firefighters died because they couldn't communicate properly, that this wouldn't be something that you would think about? Now, this was back in 2012, 2013. But if you don't think about it at One World Trade before you put the design together, where would you think about it? So we have some uh, educating to do, I think, on, in smaller buildings. Public safety needs access. Um, the customers in those buildings are going to want access. It's essential for the tenants to have that. That's now people get very frustrated if they don't have access to immediate uh, data on their on their smartphones and particularly uh, enterprise situations. So it's going to come. You know, our job is to expedite it. How quickly can we make it happen? Because it can't happen soon enough. Earlier in our conversation, you mentioned uh, spectral efficiency and, and densification. Uh, I find this very appealing because it helps us bolster our current LTE networks and really keep those advancing while they still have such a long runway of functionality. But to my wit, at least, I, I know 5G hasn't been standardized, but I really do think that spectral efficiency, densification, and access to new spectrum are going to be a core pillars of a 5G standard. So it's great to see that we're able to almost lay a foundation for that now and get immediate return, but also, you know, have something that'll be useful 
10 years, 20 years down the line. I, I think that's right. I mean, we, we have, uh, we have to think about that. I mean, you're, you're, you're right on the right track. There's three basic ways that you can get more throughput on wireless networks. It's spectrum, spectral efficiency through new technologies and densification are more base stations, more antennas. All three of these are helpful, but we're not getting a lot of new spectrum online as RCR regularly notes. Uh, spectral, spectral efficiency is a slow process. It might get 10, 15% more throughput. You get new generations every five, 10 years, but it's not enough to fundamentally deal with the rapid increase in demand. So in the next five years, we think that the largest bulk of the solutions are going to come from densification. And that's why we've seen so much energy here at the HetNet Expo. Even though last year wasn't the best year in the industry, uh, people are still waiting for that, um, you know, glory to come, which, which Mark Gansey laid out this morning very eloquently in his uh, statement that there's, there's no way around this, that there's going to be a vast increase in the number of cell sites, that the other two elements aren't sufficient to take care of the data demands that are going to be put on the network. You know, Jonathan, a couple weeks ago I was at the Texas Wireless Summit uh, hosted by the University of Texas Austin's Wireless Networking and Communications Group. And uh, one of the presenters there is a gentleman from Alcatel-Lucent Bell Labs. And he got a really big reaction from the room when he said that the full realization of massive MIMO at the macro layer would make small cells useless. What do you think about that? I don't think that's right. I think MIMO is is coming. I think it's already here. I think that it's increasing efficiency. But I don't think it, it, the numbers I've seen are sufficient to deal with the data uh, demands. And we've already seen it integrated um, and not giving us the kind of throughput increase that you need to deal with the data demand. I, I think it's, it's one of the many elements in the arsenal that we have in order to deal with this. But that's going to have to be combined with more spectrum. It's going to have to be combined with more densification. More spectrum. I know we've got uh, incentive auction coming up in the early part of next year. Can you just give us a high-level overview of the new uh, spectral resources that are slated to come online in the next few years? Well, we're not sure how much is going to come about because it's a it's a you know reverse auction, then there's a forward auction afterwards, and there's a lot of open questions about how much spectrum will come online and in which markets. I'm hopeful that given the demand for spectrum, this can be a great success. And I think the way the FCC is setting it up and trying to move it forward quickly is, 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 uh, is helpful because the need is, is urgent. And it takes a long time once the auction is held for that to come online, for the broadcasters to be repacked and cleared, for the new infrastructure to be deployed on those frequencies, and for the handsets to be swapped out so that they can accommodate that traffic. So again, in the next five years, we're not looking at a lot of relief from that. Um, it's something that we need to do urgently because it's better than waiting seven or eight years. But in the near term, we won't get a lot of relief. Now, you could get anywhere from 80 to 120 uh, megahertz of new spectrum, depending on which estimate you, you look at out of this. Right now, there, um, there is a, about uh, shy of 650 megahertz in, in the public domain. So you're looking at an increase of roughly you know, less than 20% in the amount of spectrum available for commercial mobile use, 20%. So in five years, we get 20% more spectrum, which could represent 20% more throughput. But we have a 700% increase by that time in data demand. So again, it's absolutely the essential element, because once you get that there, you can use new spectral efficiently spectrally efficient technologies to, to get there. You can, you can uh, 
we use that spectrum through densification, so it, it can provide a great deal of throughput, but 20% increase is not enough. Mm -hmm. That's why CTIA has called for 350 megahertz of additional spectrum that's needed, but I don't think that's going to be available unless we make major efforts today. I was thrilled that Congress uh, is talking about as part of a budget deal uh, requirement that uh, agencies identify more spectrum to bring online. Um, all of these are going to be necessary to deal with this uh, insatiable demand for data. Yeah, and, and it is insatiable demand. And I, I guess what I took away from what you just uh, explained so well is that there's never going to be a regulatory solution that'll you totally make the congestion issue go away. It's going to have to be a big technological advancement. Is that well, I think technological advancement combined with densification, combined with whatever spectrum we can come up with, mm -hmm. uh, there's just not spectrum is not alone uh, going to be adequate given the demands that are being placed on it. Uh, technology is essential. I think all three elements are absolutely essential uh, because without all three of them, you're not going to get there, and, and consumers will see some some frustration, kind of like what happens now. If you ever get off a plane and you try to get on data and you can't because everybody that just landed is all going at the same time, right there in that spot. And the little wheel turns and everybody's really frustrated because you want to get your your uh, information. Well, we can't let that happen. I mean, we got to plan ahead. And that's what the HetNet Expo is all about, is making sure that the vendor community and the carrier community that's represented here, working together, can plan for this and can figure out ways to eliminate some of these roadblocks and to come up with the deals and the, the relationships and the partnerships to address uh, the business needs of, of, the, uh, of the end users. After all, the consumers are the ones that are driving this, they're paying the bills, and we've got to make sure they get the data they want, when they want, and where they want. You know, if I, I remember correctly, I, I think HeadNet Expo for next year is set for Houston on October 25th and 26th. But can you tell us a little bit about some of the other priorities for PCIA in 2016? Well, in terms of the HetNet, we are planning to work through a working group on a number of fronts. First of all, we want to find what are the cost drivers of small cell and DAS that we can help to address, be it backhaul, be it the regulatory issues, be it uh, um, some of the technological issues, be it the, the labor force needs that we're going to have to deploy this thing efficiently. Uh, so we're going to get together and come up with a plan for that. We'll try to come up with a training module along with it, working with our partners in the training world, including Warriors for Wireless, which trains veterans, to make sure that we get a better trained workforce and that we bring in new blood into the industry, particularly veterans and diverse communities. We'll also um, be working on the regulatory front. Uh, right now we've gotten the DAS and small cells exempted from environmental and historic review if they're on a poll. But we're now working on historic districts. How do we get it done in historic districts while being sensitive to the needs of those communities? Uh, so we're pushing ahead on the regulatory agenda. We're pushing ahead on the sort of business agenda and the technological agenda and the training agenda. It's sort of a full plate for 2016, anticipating that it's going to be a year, I think, that we're going to see an increased deployment of, of, of small cells and DAS. Well, I really appreciate the hard work that went into such an excellent program here at the HetNet Expo. And Jonathan, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. And, you know, that really was just the tip of the iceberg. If you'd like to take a little closer look at HetNet Expo, I'd encourage you to get on the RCR Wireless News YouTube channel where we have uh, the majority of the panels and breakout sessions posted there for you to take a look at. We've also got a lot of coverage of the event up on rcrwireless.com, 
And if you'd like to receive stories like the ones we produced at HeadNet Expo, plus all the other topical ICT and telecom headlines, I'd encourage you to subscribe to our daily newsletter. Now, uh, our regular viewers will know that occasionally we like to have a musical guest on the show, and uh, this was a great opportunity for that, because in addition to being a wealth of knowledge as it relates to telecom, Jonathan Adelstein's also an accomplished harmonica player. So let's take a look at Jonathan Adelstein playing harp, getting backed up by a local L.A. band, and this is a cover of uh, Grand Funk Railroad. She's Happenings is a production of RCR TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for Headnet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter at Sean Kinney RCR. To find out more about the latest in Headnet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.